Welcome to the Constant Source Podcast, where we are reimagining family discipleship. Hi, this is Ken Kuhn, and I'm your host for the Constant Source Podcast. Once again, it's great to be with you this week. I had quick note, quick announcement. Uh, this will be the final podcast of this season of the Constant Source podcast. So season one is coming to an end. We're taking a break for the holidays and we should be back in the new year. So before jumping into this week's episode, I'd just like to take one more opportunity to thank those who have supported this ministry on Patreon through our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash Constant Source, or those of you who have left a rating or a review on your favorite podcast app. Those ratings and reviews help drive traffic towards this podcast so that more people can be thinking through and reflecting on what it looks like to prioritize family discipleship and reimagine what that looks like for our families. So this week, our final um, our final podcast is called Towards Christ. And our readings this week come from Jeremiah, the Psalms, Luke, and Colossians. So without further ado, let's jump in. First, Jeremiah 23, 1-6. Receive now the word of the Lord. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, says the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who shepherd my people, it is you who have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. So I will attend to you for your evil doings, says the Lord. Then I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the lands where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will raise up shepherds over them who will shepherd them, and they shall not fear any longer or be dismayed, nor shall any be missing, says the Lord. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. So this is the last week of the Christian calendar year. In conclusion of the year, the global church celebrates the reign of Christ in our lives, in our world, and over death. Each of our passages this week describe different ways that Christ's reign was promised and then realized in the world around us. Because of the Christian calendar's cyclical nature, this final week of the year provides a time to remember the renewal that has happened in our lives over the course of the last year, and also a time to look forward to the hope, peace, love, and joy of the Advent season ahead. Our first and second readings this week are both from the Old Testament. This passage in Jeremiah and our passage from Psalms historically precede Christ and therefore naturally provide a prologue or introduction as to why the world is in need of Jesus. Our passage from Jeremiah opens with a critique of the shepherds who are watching over the Lord's sheep, also known as God's people. The shepherds are a metaphor for Israel's priests, elders, and leaders that have forgone their responsibility to lead Israel towards God. Instead, these shepherds are focused on the things of the world and have been seduced by idols all around. 
They misused their power and privilege to selfishly bolster themselves instead of selflessly giving their lives to God in support of God's people. One of the key critiques that Jeremiah levels against them in verse 2 is that they scattered what the Lord longs to unify. So in verses 3 and 4, we see God promising to raise up new leadership that will seek unity and care for God's people. In verse 5, we receive our first allusion to the promise of Jesus through God's mention of raising up a righteous branch. This is an important moment because it outlines two key characteristics of Jesus' reign, righteousness and justice. In other words, it will be focusing on making sure that all people are fairly and equitably treated. In this allusion, we see that God is leaning into God's key characteristics of protector, redeemer, and reconciler. This is an important prologue to the story because we hear the critique leveled against the shepherds, which in turn reminds us to turn away from self-promotion and instead turn towards selflessly caring for others. Second, it reminds us that God desires for the world to live in unity with one another and that Jesus will be an agent of that unity. We know from other parts of scripture that unity among God's people means building up the metaphorical valleys and tearing down the metaphorical mountains. Finally, it reminds us that one of Jesus' key concerns is justice with the end goal being the flourishing and fruitfulness of creation at large. These things are often lacking in our world, and that is why we are in need of Jesus. Take a moment to reflect on this question. What works of unity has God been about in your life or the lives of those who are close to you in this last year? Our second reading today is from Psalm 46. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of the city. It shall not be moved. God will help it when the morning dawns. The nations are in an uproar. The kingdoms totter. God utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord. See what desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I am exalted among the nations. I am exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Psalm 46 continues to focus on the need for Jesus by inviting the reader to first sit in awe of who God is and what God is about. The psalmist seems to know better than any other biblical authors that God's vastness and beauty cannot be captured. Yet these key characteristics of God are the primary aspects of our worship. Throughout this psalm, the psalmist teeters between knowing that God is present and has everything in control and recognizing that there are things in the world that are amiss. Psalm 46 reminds us that God is our refuge, that when things are hard, challenging, uncomfortable, or simply unknowable, God is the one we can turn to. 
Psalm 46 points out that God is all-powerful, that the whims of the world bend and fall in line at the whisper of God's voice. Psalm 46 highlights God's presence and the fact that God is always in our midst. And Psalm 46 encourages us to be still in response to all of who God is. Psalm 46 is a beautiful transitionary passage because it reminds us what God has always been about, yet in the light of its historical and canonical location in the Bible, it is begging for us to remember how much more God will still do. In Jesus, God's intangible characteristics of refuge, power, and presence become tangible in the person of Jesus Christ. As we stand on the precipice of Advent, with both feet still on this side of the new year, the message of the psalmist rings even louder and clearer in our ear. Be still, know God, and exalt the name of the Lord. Reflect on this question. In the midst of challenge, doubt, lament, and joy, how has God been a refuge for you over the course of the last year? Our third scripture passage for this week comes from Luke chapter 23. Chapter 23, verses 33 through 43. When they came to the place that is called the school, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching, but the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, God's chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him. It read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanging there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The crucifixion is the most climactic moment in Jesus' story. This is the instant that ushers in the reign of Christ as king. I love this particular moment of this story as it is presented here in Luke 23 because so much of what we are celebrating this week is on full display. First, in talking about the incarnational nature of God being human in the person of Jesus Christ, we see two things. God is a promise keeper, and God so desperately desired to be in relationship with us that God took on flesh to make reconciliation possible. In the Jeremiah passage, we saw the way that God promised to take on the role of the shepherd and care for us, the sheep. But remember that the Jeremiah passage is just one of the multitudes of promises that God made throughout the Old Testament that came true through the person, life, and death of Jesus Christ, as we see in this Luke passage. Second, the way that Jesus responds to the ignorance and verbal abuse of the guards in verse 34 is amazing and focused on forgiveness. In spite of the way that the guards completely missed the fact that they were in the presence of God, as they mocked him and put him to death, 
Jesus's concern is that they would have another chance at new life. This speaks volumes to me because I wonder sometimes at my own ignorance and find solace in the fact that Jesus sees my actions and extends grace and forgiveness even when I have no idea what I've done. Third, there's this beautiful exchange between Jesus and the criminal who is hanging next to him. The criminal has the humility to admit that he deserved the fate that had befallen him. But unlike everyone else, he also recognized who Jesus was. In response, Jesus extends forgiveness and relational reconciliation to that sinner. The same forgiveness that has been extended to you and me. Just like Jesus did for the guards, Jesus lived and died so that we could have new life. Just like Jesus did for the criminal on the cross, Jesus reigns over death and bridges the way for us to be in eternal relationship with God. Jesus promised that the criminal would experience renewal and relationship today. The same is true for us. Every day God is with us and making us new. Reflect on this question. Looking back on the last year, where have you seen God renew something in your life? Or where is one place that you pray that God would renew? Our final reading this week comes from Colossians 1. Colossians 1, 11 through 20. May you be made strong with all the strength that comes from his glorious power. And may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has rescued us from the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. Jesus himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. This passage is the perfect conclusion to our conversation this week. With truth statement after truth statement, Paul lays out the facts about who Jesus is and what that means for us. In verse 11, we see that we are made strong through the example that we've had in Christ and the presence of God that we have in our lives through the Holy Spirit. In verse 12, we learn that because of Jesus, we have a new inheritance and we've been welcomed into the family of God. In verse 13, we read that we have been freed from the darkness and evil of this world that entices us towards selfish ends and instead have been renewed to live a new life in and for the kingdom of God. We've been forgiven. You are forgiven. But it's in verse 15 where my imagination just runs wild with imagery that Jesus Christ is the picture, the tangible representation of the invisible God. Jesus is the head of the church, and the believers are the body. In other words, the church is the hands and feet of God at work in the world. It is through us that the invisible God is seen. So stop for a moment and consider this truth. Is the church as you know it representing God well? When the church is at its finest, 
What is it capable of? How are you called to take action as a member of the body of Christ? These questions are so important as we consider the reign of Christ because as Christians, we are invited to participate in the work of God on earth. In fact, the ways that we interact, care for, and love others are some people's first glimpse of the face of God. Truly, we too are pictures of the invisible made visible. Yes, we are vastly more underqualified than Jesus was, but the Holy Spirit is at work through our lives because Jesus reigns in our lives. The conclusion to Christ's reign is an invitation to be Jesus to those around you. Reflect on this question. Because you self-identify as a Christian, you may be another's first glimpse of who God is. How does that make you think differently about the way you interact with others? In conclusion for this week, here are three ways to connect with your family regarding the reign of Christ in each of our lives. First, pray this prayer. Lord God, be our refuge. Help us to feel the warmth of your embrace and to retreat into your hold when we find ourselves in a vulnerable place. When we experience brokenness, lament with us. When we experience joy, celebrate with us. And when we experience doubt, draw near to us, we pray. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your goodness. Amen. Share some thoughts. As you have thought about the way that God has been at work in your life throughout this year, share your reflections with your kids. Share the importance of this week in the Christian year. Talk about your feelings as the year is coming to a close and tell them why you are looking forward to the new year that is about to begin. Lastly, wonder together. Take a moment to explain to your kids that you have been thinking through the reality that Jesus Christ is King and reigns in your life and in the world. Ask your kids what they think of when they think of a king or queen and wonder together about the ways that Jesus is and isn't like the picture they have in their heads. Finally, consider this this week. The reign of Christ looks like renewal, reconciliation, forgiveness, and love. You are both a recipient of Christ's reign and an agent of the king. How do you embody the reign of Christ in your life? May you and your family have a great week and a wonderful holiday season. Thank you for taking the time to check out Constant Source Podcast this week. If you'd like to start receiving our weekly digital devotional, you can find a link in the show notes. If you want to learn more about who Constant Source is and what we're up to, check us out at theconstantsource.com. If you like what you're hearing here and you want to weigh in on some of the theological topics that we talk about and you want to support the work of the show, check us out at patreon.com slash constant source. Lastly, we are on social media. On Twitter, we are at constant underscore source. On Instagram, we're at constant source. And on Facebook, we are at facebook.com backslash constant source. May your family be blessed. Have a great week.